The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor for the magazine. In this episode, you'll hear from Daryl Fulbright, Principal and Design Director for leading global design and architecture firm Gensler. He sat down with Larry Guthrie, CCIM Institute's Director of Communications, to discuss the technological advances transforming commercial real estate, in particular 5G, smart homes, and autonomous vehicles. Plus, he shares some great tips for CRE professionals to help them stay ahead of the curve on these technologies. Thank you for joining me today, Daryl. Hey, great to be here. So Daryl recently joined CCIM Institute at our 2019 annual global conference in October, where he took part in a panel discussion on the impact of autonomous vehicles on commercial real estate and the built world. I was excited to have him on the podcast so we could broaden that discussion and chat about some other technological advances that industry professionals should have on their radar and talk about how they'll impact the way they do business in the not too distant future, if not already. Absolutely. Let me start off by asking you, out of all the technological advances that we have out there, which one do you think is going to have the biggest impact on commercial real estate? Why and how? So, um, you know, I would, I would say that autonomous vehicles are probably going to have the biggest impact, mainly because of parking. Um, as developers know, parking is one of the largest impacts. Uh, it has a large footprint as far as taking up space. It really drives uh, what uh, clients are demanding, what demands in commercial real estate are as far as ratios of parking. And it, and it has a major cost impact on projects. So when, with autonomous vehicles, uh, they are, it gives the ability for cars to not need to be parked anywhere near the facility. Um, so you could have a, an office building or a retail project in a prime location and be able to have the cars either circle, circle, circulate and be part of a, of a rental economy, or they can literally be programmed to, uh, to, to wait for you in a, in a distant location at a much lower cost. Um, but this, uh, the, the autonomous vehicles are, are, are dependent on, on, on the wide adoption of 5G technology because of the ability to connect and to communicate in a in real time basis. Uh, so we're, uh, I think we're going to see uh, autonomous vehicles being phased in after 5G technology becomes more prevalent. Now you mentioned 5G. That's one of those buzzwords. You know, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's using it in marketing even, but where exactly are we in the adoption of this? And what are the impacts of that adoption? What we're seeing is very limited release right now, um, but we're uh, seeing hardware and headsets coming out uh, next year uh, that are gonna be 5G capable. And the rollout is gonna happen over probably the next five years or so as, uh, as they require an extensive new infrastructure uh, investments by, by, by the telecom industries because of a different way of, of, of working. They use a different wavelength that requires much more uh, uh, antenna locations and station locations as opposed to what's going on today. So this this rollout will happen over time, uh, and there's many uncertainties of how it's going to roll out, uh, and there are competing systems for for which is going to be the standard for 5G. So that's still working itself out. Thankfully, it sounds like we have a bit of time on that one, which is always a good thing. But out of those two technologies, do you have a sense of which one's going to come out on top, or is it too early to call? 
probably too early to call. Uh, a lot of the things I'm seeing is that uh, there's been caution on um, too much of early adoption by commercial real estate folks on particular systems because they can be outdated and they're changing constantly. So um, it, it's a good lesson to, to learn to say that you want to be on the on the forward edge of this technology, but certainly not on the bleeding edge. What are the challenges, though, when you're looking at construction versus existing buildings, when you're talking about 5G and planning for five to seven years out? I mean, it's a double edged sword, right, to uh, be able to have this time to plan, but to actually put something in place now that will still be uh, viable in that time frame five to seven years from now. I always say future-proofing buildings is all about pathways. It's about uh, maximizing flexibility. Um, the for every for every mobile or wireless thing uh, system, there's there's a significant impact on the physical infrastructure. So having chases, having uh, closets, having places for people to run uh, uh, cables, the hard the hardware portion of it is is key. Uh, and having that flexibility for whatever system comes out is 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 really key to keeping your buildings uh, future proofed. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is that uh, as glass technology has improved, uh, we've gone to a lot of low E coatings, which uh, help reflect the sun without being reflective glass. Because uh, from an architecture standpoint and from a community standpoint, there's really been a push away from uh, reflective glass. So as we've gone to clearer glass uh, in new buildings, we've used these low E coatings. And these low E coatings are not real susceptible to wireless transmission. So having um, having the ability to uh, have lots of points of connection inside the building uh, is really important. The, the other thing that, that we're seeing on, on projects is to integrate antennas onto the outside of the building. Um, we recently did a project here in San Diego uh, that took over a, a hilltop, which was a major uh, cell phone uh, site, had all of the major carriers there with, uh, with uh, antennas there. And we designed a facade of the exterior of the building uh, uh, with some fiberglass panels uh, that uh, don't interfere with radio frequencies. So having those kinds of flexibilities uh, uh, can give you can go a long way to to future proofing your asset. So what impact will five G have on the existing cell towers? I mean, there's certainly going to be plenty of new ones, but the existing cell towers, new ones. You know, let's jump into the leasing aspect of this too. So I, I think you're going to see the existing towers stay in place for a long time because you're, you're always going to have folks that are not up to speed on the 5G. So the rollout of the existing towers will be very slow. Eventually, they'll be replaced. But what you're going to see is a lot more locations for antennas all over the place. Um, and uh, there's going to be rent opportunities for more locations. So those rent opportunities may be um, not as significant in a single location, but have multiple locations with smaller rent, uh, rent, rental opportunities. The other thing that, uh, that, that, that we see as potentially an impact from 5G is this idea of edge computing. So right now, all of the data processing is done in centralized um, data centers for, uh, for mobile and wireless. But uh, as, as 5G comes out, uh, there's going to be need to be continuous computing at the cell phone site locations. So you're going to see micro data centers emerge. These things could be as small as a suitcase or as big as a small room. Uh, and these will have uh, be, these will happen all over the place because data because these edge data centers will need to be very tight and close knit to where the signals are. Uh, 
Um, so this, this won't necessarily replace the clouds, but it will provide uh, an additional opportunity for commercial real estate and, uh, and leases. You know, there'll be some lease uh, activity involved with that. And it sounds like there will be antennas like at the end of your block. It <laughs> They're already there. Uh, the antennas right now, uh, at least here in San Diego where I live, uh, most of the uh, 5G antennas will be on top of existing street poles, uh, light poles in, in the community. So you're starting to see those. If you look in your community, I would suspect you're starting to see them uh, occur already. So looking at property types, 5G the changes there. When we're looking at leasing or buying industrial office space, how quickly do you think this connectivity idea is going to be a must for landlords? And what what should they be doing now? What should they be preparing for? What should they be planning for, really? Well, I, I think you're already starting to see things um, like what we see called Wired Scope, which is a rating system, um, similar to LEED, which is a rating system for environmental sensitivity. Uh, Wired Scope is a rating system for digital infrastructure. So I think you're going to see uh, going forward, it's just starting now, where buildings are rated based on their uh, connectivity and their uh, wireless systems. So it's about internet connectivity and um, remote systems. So uh, having a having a silver or gold lead rating <clears throat> might be just as important to have a, a strong rating from Wired Scope or another rating agency that actually independently verifies what your connectivity and what your uh, digital infrastructure is in the building. So I think as we proceed, uh, especially into 5G and a lot of unknowns, uh, tenants are going to look to these third parties to determine, you know, which are the best buildings for them unless they have internal capabilities to check them out themselves. But my suspicion is that's going to be very tough. Um, so wired certification, you know, it uh, ties into some of the top uh, questions asked by tenants, including, you know, can I bring my own carrier and is the internet reliable? Is there a boilerplate agreement on which services I need to use? You know, what backup options I have? How fast is the internet? And what is the, you know, the key thing we're seeing now is what's the in-building cell uh, coverage? Um, and so, those are a lot of different things that uh, the tenants are going to have a difficult time um, ascertaining for themselves. So these third-party rating systems will be a way for both for tenants to find out you know, where they want to go and for uh, landlords to really market their buildings uh, with that uh, added benefit. Um, you know, one of the big things that you see uh, that are starting to, to, to come up in new projects are called DAS systems, which are, are distributed antenna systems. Um, right now, we're seeing them required for fire departments in buildings because of the low E glass cutting down on, on service, and they're worried about their radio frequency. So uh, we are now, uh, in many cases on new projects, putting in or at least wiring for a potential DAS system. And these systems are expensive, you know, for a, for a, a mid to, to, say, four to five story office building, a new office building, a DAS system can cost dollars to $125,000. And unfortunately, right now, those things cannot be co-mingled with private use. So if you need a DAS system for, for, um, for the fire department and for emergency services, it's likely you will need a second DAS system for cell phone services. So the cost of this infrastructure is not uh, unsubstantial. There, there's definitely going to be costs for this, and I think it's it's still to be seen whether those costs are going to get passed on somehow to the tenant or if the landlords are going to have to start absorbing these costs in order to attract the tenant, much like what we're seeing with amenities and other things um, for landlords. So from landlords to actual properties, let's get into smart homes. 
You've talked about Office, but what about multifamily or developers of residential communities? And not just new construction, there's so much existing inventory. What's really the impact and what do people need to be thinking about when they're doing some value adds to actually create a smart home multifamily property? Well, you know, you're probably going to have to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, for older properties, you're going to need to find places for these edge computing locations. And so those may be in locations that you either have to add onto the property or carve out of the existing property. Uh, but they're, you know, some of the big implications that 5G, the, the reason, you know, that we're, that everybody's pushing for, for this new level of technology is, is this idea. There's a couple of things, this idea of Internet of Things. Where you know even your coffee maker and your your refrigerator and everything is connected to the internet, and that that, that creates a lot more traffic, which requires a lot more uh, uh, capacity in the system. Um, so you know there, there there's there's already systems now where you know you, your your refrigerator can call up Amazon and say, hey, I'm out of orange juice, uh, send us some orange juice. So those things are going to become much more commonplace for for landlords. The, the Internet of Things will will allow um, every light fixture, for instance, to connect to the internet. So when a light, a light bulb goes out, it will tell the system, hey, that you need a new light bulb. Or your mechanical system, every component of your mechanical system will have an IP address and be able to literally communicate with your property manager to say, hey, there's something going on with this particular unit, and hopefully respond to things in advance of them actually going going down. So therefore, you're... you're uh, having strategic maintenance on, on on items before things actually go out of use. Um, other things that I'm hearing uh, about 5G, uh, specifically for retail, is this really blend uh, uh, seamless interaction between online and physical uh, retail. So therefore, you know there could be augmented reality or, or virtual reality when you enter a store, where you know there might be one item. And, and there might be a whole si- uh, a, a litany of, of items that connect to that item that they don't actually carry in the store. So therefore, it's, it's part of their online presence, but you could be holding up one item in a store and this whole series of, of connected items that could be ordered online could, could, could appear before you virtual for uh, augmented reality. This might allow stores to become smaller, a smaller physical footprint. I think there's always going to be this, this, uh, sense of experience where people want to experience things in person, but it'll, it'll allow to have a seamless interaction between the online reality and, and the physical reality. So those are, those are just a couple of things that I think uh, 5G will really impact uh, on real estate. So it sounds like that 5G is going to have quite the impact across all property types, all sectors of no matter where you are in commercial real estate. It's something you need to plan for. And, you know, it's also sounding like there's quite the capital expenditure that needs to be planned for as well, right? Exactly. And I, and I think that, that those things are moving very fast. So people need to be on top of this. They need to engage either with consultants or have a, 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 a technology officer on board that can stay abreast of this stuff. But there's no silver bullet. There's no, hey, you got to do this right now and you're set. Uh, the one thing we know is that technology is always changing. Uh, we, we've seen it in the streets where you know a few years ago, 
a short-term mobility solution was to have uh, docked bikes uh, in the street and and people could use them and, and share bikes. And uh, I think it was first rolled out in New York with city bikes. And then all of a sudden, somebody came up with a dockless bike, so it didn't need to be tethered to a dock anymore, which became much more efficient. And then, and then all of a sudden, we see this prevalence of scooters, and people are using less bikes, and they're using scooters. You know, I don't know if it's going to be hoverboards next or whatever it's going to be. What we do know is that technology is constantly changing, so we need to be adaptable uh, as we move forward. Absolutely. Adaptability, it, it just seems like it goes hand in hand when you're talking about new and emerging technology. And one of those emerging technologies is autonomous vehicles. And you talked about it a bit earlier in the podcast and, of course, extensively at the conference. But can you go a little deeper on that here? What are uh, the what are the impacts there? How is this going to affect the industry? Yeah, so the so the biggest impact is on parking demand, right? So um, the the question is is whether whether autonomous vehicles are going to cause more traffic. In other words, more people are going to use autonomous vehicles because they're going to be so convenient to use. Um, and is that going to affect transit? Uh, in other words, if we have uh, most most people believe that uh, most autonomous vehicles will become electric, so for emissions will go to near zero, uh, and therefore the uh, uh, the big one of the biggest things about mass transit was trying to bring down emissions, and, and cars create a significant amount of emissions affecting greenhouse gases. So, if we have autonomous vehicles that can drive anywhere that are electric, that can be plugged in, what does that what does that impact on mass transit? That, that's a real question. And what's that impact on the road infrastructure? So, autonomous vehicles at first are not going to drive down. Uh, the capacity on roads, it may have a bigger impact on the capacity of roads um, unless people are sharing uh, sharing autonomous vehicles. So, the, But the biggest impact on commercial real estate will be a couple of things. Will parking demand, uh, will it drive near zero? Uh, will there be some parking demand on, 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 on site? Uh, drop off, right? So if, if people are still using autonomous vehicles, that means the, the amount of vehicles is still similar, but the parking of them is not, not necessary. Everybody has to get dropped off somewhere. So you can imagine if you have uh, an office building with, uh, with a thousand cars um, and normally they all drive into the garage and they leave their car and walk in, uh, now they're all going to have to get dropped off somewhere. So that's going to have an, a, a tremendous effect on the curb and the street layouts in front of buildings and create um, potentially put crochets similar to what we see at convention centers or at, or at hotel drop-offs. Um, so the drop-off is going to be a significant uh, impact. Um, the other thing that we're seeing uh, is garages, right? So right now with the parking demands where they are before autonomous vehicles, we're seeing uh, garages. The most efficient garages tend to have sloping ramps where you park on a park on a ramp as opposed to independent ramps. And so what we're trying to do is push folks into more flat plate parking garages where uh, in the future there, there's a possibility for those to be uh, converted into other uses if they're not needed for cars. And so that requires a little bit different thinking on the garages. It also requires a little bit more investment in the garages because uh, because the loading of uh, of people and their stuff is actually much higher than the loading of cars. It, it, it always mind boggles me that, that that's the case. So those are those are uh, you know a lot of the impacts that we're seeing, uh, and and I think the biggest question for me always is is what is it going to what's the impact going to be on mass transit? Um, eventually, 
you know, autonomous vehicles are going to reach their limit too because of road capacity. So it's just a matter of timing and how all these things are going to impact. Absolutely. It does sound like one of those time will tell situations, right? Now, something that occurred to me when you were talking about this is the affordability factor with, you know, autonomous vehicles. I just can't imagine that uh, the average consumer will be taking those as readily as they would mass transit. You know, uh, will it ever be a substitute for the L, the Metro? It sounds like it's more going to be a complement uh, like Uber, Lyft, those types of things. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's certainly going to be. I, I, and I think that what you're going to see is the reason folks are going to go, the, the, what's going to push autonomous vehicles eventually is going to be the insurance companies, right? I, you're going to have to pay in order to, to keep your hands on your wheel, your car, you're going to have to spend an enormous amount of money on insurance. So, so that, that, that seems to really drive people towards decisions as those financial decisions, uh, as opposed, you know, we, we, we are still a democratic society, so we're not going to take anybody's car away, but we're going to influence people into doing the right thing based on cost impacts. Wow. Yes. That is a great point. Hadn't even thought of that. Well, Daryl, I have time for one last question. So I would love for you to share out of all of this incredible information that we've talked about, what would be the top three takeaways for uh, anyone in commercial real estate from this podcast? Well, I, I, I think the, the one of the top ones is, is the parking question. Um, you know, right now we're even, you know, we still have this kind of disconnect, I think, between the, the tenant brokers and the landlords, right? Uh, the, the, the tenant brokers are still quoting, you know, five, five per thousand parking in a lot of locations because of um, what they see as, as the less square feet per person. Um, you know, we're seeing more people and less space in, in office buildings. So the tenants are, uh, tenant brokers are always saying, hey, we need more parking, we need more parking. But technology is really making parking less less prevalent. Um, we're seeing it already in rideshare. Um, as we start to see it in autonomous, we're starting to see the parking requirements uh, reduce. So having an a, a intelligent conversation about parking and following the parking trend, it's not going to happen overnight. We're not going to become autonomous and all of a sudden we see, hey, there's no parking requirements. I think what we're going to see is, is, a, is a steady decline in parking requirements and educating folks about what those parking requirements are and really bringing the, um, the jurisdictions in, the cities and the counties and the states to understand that, hey, we, we need to start pushing towards um, less about uh, minimum parking and more about maximum parking to, to really push this uh, away from, from everybody driving in their own cars. To, to work every day. So I think that's a that's a huge deal. And then I what I previously talked about is that, you know, predicting technology is is a very cloudy uh, crystal ball. So uh, having that flexibility, having those pathways, thinking about it in uh, in the terms of accommodating whatever comes next versus getting married too soon to uh, any specific uh, system or any specific uh, 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 technology. I think is the best advice I can give uh, is just, again, not to be on that bleeding edge where you could uh, get, get ahead of the crowd, but then you could end up having to redo things uh, in short order. And uh, the cycles of technology innovation are happening faster and faster and faster. So I would say that that would be my one of my top, top takeaways. Daryl, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. It's just chock full of good information. Um, it's kind of bringing the sci-fi of 5G down to the reality, which uh, is 
a little intimidating maybe, but I think manageable. And I think it's just going to be an ongoing conversation that we're going to be having over the next five to seven years around 5G. Absolutely. And I'd be happy to come back and talk about it again. That would be wonderful. You are always welcome here, Daryl. Thank you again. Um, Really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today and all of these wonderful nuggets of information with our listeners. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.